welcome to Second World Problems, a world-building podcast uh, where the realms have many possibilities. I don't know, something like <laughs> that. Uh, uh, if you're unfamiliar with who I am, I am Morgan. Uh, you may know me from other podcasts on this network, like Dealer's Choice and uh, the Mate Debate, and Musical and all that. And uh, my the, the host, I, I'm not hosting, I'm... The guest or the sidecar. Co-host. Co-host. The uh, primary host is the wonderful. Yeah, I'm Finn, um, and I'm hosting this podcast, yes. which is a wild, wild time. You may be familiar with Finn from the musical episode of Cats. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out because that's a wild ride. Yep. Uh, completely different from what we do in musical. This is specifically about world building and fiction. Um, so. We're going to, well, I'm going to nerd out about fictional worlds and stories and you're along for the ride to yeah. learn some stuff. I like to learn and I like fictional worlds and nerd stuff. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's why I picked you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we'll have guests from time to time, yeah, I'm sure, and yeah. fun stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, why, 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 why are you like world building? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, so the main reason I thought of this podcast was because I did my thesis on um, for honours not too big um but i did my thesis for honors on world building and i was like you know i should really do something with all this knowledge that i've crammed into my brain and haven't forgot forgot yet so here we are um so we will be using a text for the basis of our discussions in this it's podcast. like a university lecture i feel like i'm right back in it <laughs> it's all right you don't have to buy it. you don't even have to read it i've done all the work for you that's why i'm here um, but the primary text is by Mark J.P. Wolf. It's called Building Imaginary Worlds, The Theory and History of Subcreation. Um, subcreation is a term attributed to Tolkien. It just has to do with how um, primary and secondary worlds differ. So yeah. Something we'll talk about in the podcast. And if people so if people like want to hear more, I guess they go, that's their further research yep, is buy the book. <laughs> buy the book or, you know, just, um, yeah, read some Tolkien. Uh, he... He's got a handle on this he's whole secondary world business. He's he he does he's the OG. Um, people have done it better since then. But if you want to go back to the person who did it first, Tolkien's a good recommend. Yeah, he invented languages, man. Yeah, he's um yeah. There's a good meme about him about being linguistics, George, because he went above and beyond. Um, so generally, in terms of world building, what we're going to look at is um. We're going to break it down into a couple of different sections just for ease because otherwise there's there's so much that goes into world building. Um, you know, it, it's all the details in the background that contribute to a sense of story and also place. So that way it exists beyond the text. So it's it's a lot. So we're going to have um, an overview, overview section. So in the overview, Mark J.P. Wolf talks about three different things that contribute to creating a world to make it seem... Uh, plausible, viable, existing beyond, you know, the the pages of the text. So um, those three things are invention, so difference from the primary world, so our world, um, you know, names, culture, um, objects, artifacts, nature, um, laws that govern space, time, etc. Um, completeness, completeness, so completeness, an completeness, yes, an independent world. So um, here I like to use the term the iceberg. So is there a suggested or communicated richness and deepness to the world that goes beyond what's the page? So the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is what you see um, in the text. So whether it be visual or you're reading a book or we'll go through a couple of different. We have we have a list that we'll work through. Um, but then there's the the below the surface, which is everything else that contributes to making that something bigger than what it normally is. 
So, you know, is there a sense of causality, concepts of good and, e good and evil, emotional realism? And the third one is consistency. So does each, fit, each piece of the world fit together to make sense? So are uh, the details plausible, feasible, and without contradiction? So those are three sort of top things that we'll discuss a little bit. And then we get into sort of the structural things. So nature, um, so setting and rules, culture, history, society, and inhabitants, language, if it's important, it isn't always, um, mythology, law and legend, and then philosophy, which is sort of like the worldview, what sort of overarching themes does the text present to us? Um, and then there's appendices, maps, genealogies, and timelines. We're not going to talk about those, although um, I did do a symposium on um, uh, fictional cartography, so mapping in fictional worlds. So maybe we could do a special episode on that sometime, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave that to later. Fair. And then obviously there's narrative and character, which we're not going to talk about. Um, well, we're going to talk about those as sort of the access point to which we experience all the other things that yeah. make up the world. In relation to all the other things, because they exist within those. Yes, exactly. We we get to the world through narrative and character, and then everything else happens based around the telling of the story. So we, we'll talk about those things generally yeah. as well. Sounds fun. You missed a, I, I was sharing a word document, missed the quote. It's a big old quote. I do have a big old quote. Um, I was waiting to um, to put that in. I figured we'd go through all the other stuff first. But, yeah, fair. Uh, to quote Mark J.P. Wolf, um, to give a sort of reason as to why we're talking about this at all, he says that worlds extend beyond the stories that occur in them, inviting speculation and exploration through imaginative means. They are realms of possibility, a mix of familiar and unfamiliar, permutations of wish, dread, and dream and other kinds of existence that can make us more aware of the circumstances and conditions of the actual world we inhabit. So that's why world building is interesting and why we're looking at mm. it. So it just gives you an overview, a, a, yeah. a thesis statement of a sort. Ah, a thesis statement. Yes. You'd be very familiar with those. I just love world building. Like I'm the kind of person, like if I'm watching a show or something and something's curious, it's like if it's happening now, it's like, well, how do we get to this point? Like I'll be on a Wikipedia, like looking yes. up, like what's happening in this world? Yes. Who are these? You've been telling me about that with the Handmaid's Tale. Oh, that's all I do in the Handmaid's Tale because that, that's what's good about that show is the mm. world. I'm a bit yeah. sick of the narrative, but the world it's in is fascinating, mm. and I, I love the worlds of many, many different things. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to be focusing on one in particular today, yes. one that is very close to my heart. Yes. Um. So today we are covering Avatar: The Last Airbender, specifically just the Last Airbender. Cora might get a little mention, but. I've sort of put it to the side because just one series is probably enough to talk about because it it's already got a lot in it. Um, and for this episode, that makes me your wise Uncle Iroh. And I am your smart-talking, boomeranging, uh, ice warrior, I'm Sokka. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. I was kind of probably going to go with something like that. I always relate more with Sokka. Sokka <laughs> is, he's so needed um, in the show. He Yeah, he he has a place. It's pretty crazy because, like, most of the other main characters are all benders and he isn't. But he still has this perfect place that is set aside for him and he works it very well. Yeah. You need, and I'm in, in that, if everyone was a bender, like, it would just be too much. You yeah. need someone who's grounded in the fact that they're not a bender but still a highly skilled warrior. Yeah. All right. Um, so going into that, I suppose we should cover the, uh, at least the premise of the show. Yeah. To give people who perhaps haven't watched the avatar though if you haven't what are you doing with your life yeah watch it and like to get the premise just watch the first 10 seconds because yeah. the bit we're gonna read i i presume is it's, literally just the over the, the voiceover yeah. from the first yeah. seconds <laughs> yeah, of the show is. so do you want to go for that or do you want me to do um a nice katara impression um i can't do an impression so i can read it but if you would if you want to do a comp impression you can uh go ahead and read it <laughs> i right. might leave that 
Uh, maybe I'll try and do a guitar person. Long ago, the four nations lived in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world ne- needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty on I got par the, I got the intonation Yeah, right. the intonation was was pretty good. <laughs> that's the premise, though. So that's the premise. Yeah, that's the premise of the story and Child the saviour. Right? The classic hero's journey. Um, but it also sets up the world in, in which the story takes place. So there's four nations. That's the world. Um, they were living together in harmony. And then the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements. So we know that there's something supernatural going on. Um, spiritual. I think this, yep. well, this one's more spiritual than supernatural. It is much more spiritual. Um, it's heavily based on, you know, uh, East Asian, South Asian sort of cultures. And he vanished 100 years later. He's back. And, you know, he's an airbender. We don't know what that is yet because if we, this is the first episode we're on, we better we know it's something. We get um, some visuals that help us out. So that's the whole pre- premise of, like, the world, that there's benders, that there's an avatar who's, Presumably the only one who can um, bend all four, um, but now he's back. So that's that sets up the sort of uh, the framework from which everything works within. Um, so do you want to go through some initial thoughts and feelings just generally about the series? Yeah, I love talking about the series. I had a chat today actually with a friend at work. This is off topic, but we were discussing. Uh, we were like, oh, who? So Ang, do we? Re-? The basic question was he asked me, did I do I think Cora could beat Ozai? In mm. like specifically on the last episode that we just watched with the full power of the yeah, comment and we yeah. were discussing it, but I just love talking about it. Yeah, it's it's good fun. <laughs> All right, it is it is a really good um, party. FYI, I don't think Cora could beat Ozai. No, I think yeah, Cora <laughs> presents some interesting things with the continuation of the world and the story yeah. that we won't get into. No, um, we might if we if we get a, a lot of asks about it, we might do an episode on do, Cora specifically but, in know, relation to this. Uh, considering this is called Second World Problems, it really isn't about the problems <laughs> of the Second World, except if we did one on Cora, it might be. Yeah, well, it depends what, like, yeah, this is called Second World Problems, but as far as I'm concerned, Avatar is perfect. Yeah. Uh, the only the problem is series. that it ended. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like, uh, some of the things that I find great about... The top one is my favourite. Yeah, uh, that I found great about the Avatar series is um, Zuko's redemption arc. I just love that he gets a chance to redeem himself and then it's done so perfectly and it's paced really well. Yeah, um, even I from just... the first season, like, he's the bad guy for most of the first season. Mm. Um, there's something about... I think it might be Uncle Iroh that yeah. helps with that, but you're like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't hate him that much. Yeah, I well, and it, they do start building, making you feel sorry for him yeah, very early on. Yeah, they're they're really good at making him a sympathetic character, even when he's doing things that are, you know, objectively awful. Yeah, but like they do those things, like they give him, you know, the the blue spirit, which allows him to sort of um, be kinder in, yeah. in in ways that are still like still villainy, but like. Yeah. Like it gives him the like he's saving Aang, but he's only saving him so he can catch exactly him. <laughs> so he can catch him. But it gives him the chance the chance for the audience to see that he could be better if he tried. Yeah, I think it also important like because I watched the first Blue Spirit episode where recently, literally the other day, mm. where Aang finds out. Um, Aang takes the mask off and sees him, and that's the moment. Like there's a bit at the end where Zuko wakes yeah. up and Aang is like. 
Aang realizes because he's like, oh, I actually had a fight when I was before, like a hundred years ago. I had a Fire Nation friend. Do you reckon we would have been friends? Yeah. And like Aang's that Aang has a bit of clarity where he's like, Zuko's not. And all and he bad. tries to reach out, and yeah. Zuko's not ready. Yeah. So he shoots fire at him. But the fact is that then Zuko knows that later on, when he is ready to reach out, he might find someone who's willing to listen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, number one, love love Zuko, such, love his whole arc. Such a good hello narrative. Zuko here. <laughs> Plot to uh, so good. He's so goofy in season. He, he in um book three. That's my favorite because I just it's it's when everything for Zuko sort of comes together. Yeah, and like that goes on to the second point, which I've written. This is how you friend because all the friendship narratives in the bonds they're so strong and so real. Obviously, it's a cartoon and things in that way are sort of idealized, but. It's it's the spirit of friendship that carries them through all three books. And it's actually the reason they succeed in the end. It yeah. comes down to friendship. Aang, Aang would not have got as far as he did if he just happened to wake up and had no friend. Like, yeah. It's and if he didn't go group. along the journey and make more friends yeah. and get more allies. It's yeah, it was that moment where like he has to put like an army together and it's literally friends and people they've accounted on their journey that they are relying on. And it's yeah. like, it's a cool moment when they all come together. You're like, oh, this is what we've been yeah. building for. Like, and, it's cool. And it's justified in a way that say something like um, the new Star Wars nece- isn't necessarily Yeah, they kind of cut the corners there a little bit. Yeah. There wasn't a justification as much. See, if we ever this get into that, that might be a second world problem with yeah. this, if we ever do Star Wars. And then I've also written Iroh um, is the one uncle. He is the only uncle and he is my uncle. <laughs> Because <laughs> he is one of my favorite parts of the show. It would not be what it is without Iroh. In fact, Zuko wouldn't be what he is yeah. without Iroh. So he's integral. And I, he loves tea so much. And that, I also love tea. <laughs> he he loves his tea. He loves his, he loves his pie show. And just a good wise proverb or potentially not a good observation that sounds like a wise proverb. Yeah. I think, yeah, he is very important in shaping Zuko's thing uh journey hmm. and like he has one of the saddest storylines there's he that does. one that a day in basing say is a bunch of an episode with a bunch of short stories yep. and his and he is just his son. heartbreaking and it's oh it's but rough it, it also i suppose um his story provides i suppose a, a sort of um shadow arc to zuko's but with zuko's it finishes the way that his couldn't yeah so i think that's i think that the the showrunners of this, the producers, the writers, they just knew what they were doing so well. Uh, it just blows my mind. Again, I've written something to do with the fact that there's a map, but... It's because it it's, the map's important. Like, because the map's important, but also I'm over. hinting that, you know, if someone asked, I would do a special episode just <laughs> on fictional maps because I know a lot about them and I don't get to use that information. Look, it's, it's your podcast. If you want to do that, you can. I, I'd like someone to request it so I don't feel like I'm forcing it. <laughs> I'll everyone. request it. Okay. Do I count? <laughs> no, you don't. You're my co-host. Oh, damn. We, we need, first, we need fans and then we need fans to say, please do an episode on this. We care about it too. That's what we need. Okay. All right. So moving on, we're going to hit the three um, overview subjects. So we mentioned completeness and consistency. Uh, we explained them before. You see what we did there? Yep. So Smart. now you're not lost. <laughs> and if you are, go back maybe, I don't know, a minute or so. Just hit like the 15 second yeah, until repeat you get back. until you get back to yep, the to, part to where we're going to talk about it. And then go forward again. Um, and we're going to hit invention. So this, I would say, has a high level of invention. I mean, we're not... There isn't an empirical way to... This is very um, my opinion. Yeah, so it's... yeah. So it, there isn't an empirical way to determine whether or not it has high invention, but I would say it does. Personally, you think it does. Because it takes real-world cultural influences um, and melds them in a highly inventive and stylized world. Stylized in the sense that um, 
it's pulling on all those cultures and then it's synth- synthesizing them. So it becomes cohesive but still has an original presentation. I've written borrows, creates, and synthesizes. So it's not doing them in a stereotypical, but also it's doing it in a respectful way. I think that's important when you're dealing with cultures that might not necessarily be your own. It is an American production, um, and it's taking a lot from, I would say, um, you know, South Asian sort of areas. Yeah. I think they take on some of the key parts of those, but then spin it in their own way. Or like, yeah. what if we took it further? Like a whole, n- like, cause those are more beliefs, but these are like, what if a nation was founded on these yeah. beliefs? And they, and they also sort of, I suppose, I mean, some people might have an issue with that, but they also tend to make it a bit more generic. So it's not so directly related to them. They pull it back a bit. So it could be a bit more general. It does have a fairly standard hero's journey as its plot arc, but it is highly focused on the friendship and journeys of self-discovery and redemption. So it's nice that everyone has the potential for growth, obviously, except for Azula and Oz I've written, because... Um, they're really the only two. They're, they're not... I mean, potentially even Azula, but we don't get to see that in the series. No. Um, we sort of leave her at a very dark moment. Same with Ozai. So, like, they don't really have that choice. But everyone else um, who uh, is able to, to grow up and move on and become better. And I also have written Aang and Zuko both have the power to restore balance. So that was something that Iris said that I picked up in early on in about probably, I think it's book two. He's like, you're the only one who can do this. But the answer is actually Aang and Zuko together. Yeah. But they both have the power to do it. They just It's just the journey of them getting there and believing in themselves and, you know, with yeah, friends. It, it's kind of like it, it. the intro, it shapes itself. It's about Aang. But like for, right from the start, it is kind of both about Aang and Zuko meeting in the middle and yeah. both of their it's, journeys it's their and coming journeys, together. Yeah, coming together. But also like it's, it's yeah. also about um, in some ways it's almost um, instead of being a direct line, it's a spectrum in that everyone has their place on, in the story that contributes towards the larger goal of restoring restore, balance and peace. They can't, no one can do it alone. They all have to work together. Yeah. And then you get characters like Ira who seems to understand that like completely. And, and, and actively moves to, Yeah, he does it subtly, but he actively he, moves to bring it together. Well, he feels like the only, like, one of the few people who's like, he's watching this like a chess or a pie show game yeah. and he is moving pieces when he needs to. Not always. Sometimes Not always. he's just along for the ride. But when he, if someone needs a nudge, if Sucre needs a nudge, he'll do it and he yeah. like moves pieces. And, and he does it the same, like y- you think... Like he just happens to meet Toph on a mountainside, but he tells her exactly what she needs to hear at the time yeah. to spur her on. And that's that's sort of what Ira is. Some people might call it a bit conceited to have or convenient to have someone who's like that, but that's actually who Ira is. Like he he understands enough about the universe and I suppose yeah. the cosmic processes that he knows who you are when he meets you. Yeah, well he's very also in touch with like the spirit world and spirit which they he do is. get into more in core, but in this one yeah. you get hints of it. Like he he kind of sees things on that level as well. And through those he is able to glean more things from yeah. the spirit. So yeah, he's he's kind of exists above everyone but is present in the story as well without seeming over it's it's weird. It is a weird spot. Yeah, he has he plays <laughs> his role is quite hard to de- to describe, I suppose, but it's, it, it is integral. Yeah. Um, the other thing I have in Invention is the reputation of, representation of Indigenous and Eastern culture, cultures in a largely fantastic setting. So it allows for representation of, um, so like I said, Indigenous cultures, so that's sort of water tribe, um, and then um, the others are largely um, Asian. It allows for them to be represented on the screen, but also the Invention allows them to exist together cohesively. And for that represent- representation to not be... Uh, to, to not be disrespectful in any way. Yeah. That's what I'd say. 
So completeness um, is the next one. So this is about the iceberg again. So again, coming from the top down. So um, I've written that uh, there's an entrenched history through naming. So it gives you the sense that there's more to the world just through the naming of things. So there's the Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation. So that brings together ideas of lineage and governance. And then you have the Water Tribe. So ideas of community Community, and nomads. It's about wandering and um, traveling the world. So it, it is mainly Aang's story, but he has multiple reincarnations. So you know that there's more to the world just even through that, knowing that there's he's had so many past lives. And that means that there's a history to this world that we don't see. And even if we only meet Ro- Roku, Kiyoshi, and then eventually Korra, you know that there's so much prior to even this start of this story that allows you to see that the world has been existing for some time. Yeah. And then in terms of causality, um, each step of the journey, even if you don't see it at the time, contributes to the ultimate climax. And when you get there, you see how everything that has happened in the past pays off. Um, and obviously there's concepts of good and evil. So that's that's fairly standard. That's probably something we're going to see in everything we talk about. It's just... It's, it's, it's there. It's the basis of most fiction regardless of whether it's fantasy or not. I would also consider this to be a very emotionally real show. So there's something very intangible in it that a lot of people, I mean, maybe maybe it's our generation who grew up with it, who feels it most, but there's something that I feel like we all connect to in it. Like, like I said, it's a great party series. You can always find someone who wants to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender at a party. Yeah. People love talking about it. People who like it will always talk about it. They want to talk about it. And then finally, there's consistency. So that's sort of the um, rules and systems, but um, how everything blends together, whether or not it makes sense. I would say that for this one, there are rules and systems by which the world works, you know, bending, non-benders. There's four nations and there's four different types of bending, each one founded on their specific type of bending. The story doesn't ever contradict that in this series it just says that's the way things are in terms of developing a consistent world i think it is easier with a something you're watching visually so um it's harder to be consistent with a book for instance because you can't see it when you see things you don't question them as much so although there isn't an explanation for everything you think oh the mechanics are plausible and you leave it at that you don't you don't worry about it Whereas if you're reading a book and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. You think about it a bit more. Yeah, it is. You just kind of go with it more with a visual thing. I find yeah. that is true. It's, um, I mean, I'm a big reader. I do get swept away with storylines, but with something that you're watching, it's much easier to just let it, yeah, let it happen. Yeah. So now we're sort of going back, um, we're breaking down again. So we've done our three sort of overview things, had a bit of talk about those. Now we're breaking down into the things that make up the world, the structure. So we're going to start with nature and specifically setting. Um, We've already covered a bit of this. So obviously we've talked about the four nations, but now we're going to talk about some of the things that make them what they are. So for instance, for the Fire Nation, it's influenced by Japanese, Chinese, um, sort of general pan-South Asian culture. The same with the Earth Kingdom. And it's based on a primogeniture or monarchical, monarchical structure. So the power in the Fire Nation passes from father to son, or it should, doesn't always. Again, there's always going to be issues with that. Same as in (laughs) real world. If you want to hear some real good stuff on primogeniture and kings, uh, I recommend listening to Rex Factor, where they talk about the kings of England and the kings of Scotland, just in case you're interested. But primogeniture doesn't always work. It does seem to work fairly well in this. Like I said, Ozai is 
by Lord in the current time. He passes it to his daughter Azula, although it probably it should have gone to Zuko, but for obvious reasons it doesn't happen. But it does eventually end up at Zuko. Yeah. So like, there's no state destabilization of the actual system on which the Foundation works in the series. So it still passes through primogeniture. The Water Tribe is based on, um, I would say, Native American indigenous peoples and sort of An Inuit, yeah. le- uh, upper North American, um, very upper North yeah. American indigenous peoples. And they're more based on a tribal sort of community. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if this is explored much in, it is a little bit, I feel like uh, the Southern Water Tribe is a bit more communal, whereas the Northern is northern. a bit more. It's got like a royalty to it. It there does. Is like there, it does have. Hierarchy. It does have sort of. Uh, yeah, Princess Yue is technically a princess. However, it's still mainly based on. You sort of get the idea that there's um the idea of like a sort of almost a ruling sort of council. Yeah. More um, and like they with might have it. They would have like a chief, but they yeah. are not comparative to like the Earth King or exactly. The, they're, they're more like a. a, a figurehead but like they have a council yeah it's it's sort of like if any um of these nations was going to give their general populace a vote it's going to be the water tribe yeah and then we have the air temples so south north east and west so one at each major compass point which comes from a more tibetan and monastic tradition so um if you go to Anywhere in sort of South Asia, you're definitely going to run into some Tibetan monks. Um, well, they definitely they they use monks. the expression monk in the series to describe Aang and the Airbenders. Like it's yeah, so very it's, it's clear a very that's where strong, they're drawing from. Yeah, monastic tradition, and even um, it even has I suppose most monastic traditions are fairly similar, so it even reflects some yeah Western traditions. And it's a spiritual world, like people know this. Well, less so towards the start, more towards the end, especially in Korra. But like the spirits exist. And I think Air Temple is like the Air Nomads are the most spiritual, and then you go Water yeah. probably. Yeah, from down. and like, it, it has to do with also their um their morals. Yeah. So they remove themselves, and that's why they have temples that are built high. Which is another thing for Ang, like he's coming from this background where he has these strong morals that he was strong brought morals. up with that really contest the times. Yeah. That is happening. Strong as well. morals, and and the way that they um even the way that they choose to live. So they choose to live removed from the world in these remote temples that you can only really access if you're an airbender. That has something to, that, that says something about the, the, the greater world in general as well. And then there's the Earth Kingdom. This has very general Chinese influences. So like you might say that the Fire Nation is more um, a blend of Japanese and Chinese yeah, cultures. I, I find the Fire Nation to be very Japanese in their sense, like their, their samurai style armor, yeah. their palaces, and then their, the, you mainly get this with Zuko and stuff, but like a high sense of honor. Yeah. Like really. Whereas like Earth Kingdom is, is more generally sort of Chinese in like in, in their culture yeah. and dress and things like that. It is also a monarchy, but it has more of a, um, the idea of sort of like feudalistic city states. So you have city states and provinces, provinces, and then like the Basing say is the seat of power. So they have a king and that king is king of the Earth Kingdom. But, for instance, there's also King Bumi who rules his own city-state or yeah. province. But he would answer, ultimately, to the king of the Earth Kingdom as well. Yeah. It's weird because, yeah, then you have, like, heads of towns and, like, the Earth yeah. Kingdom's the biggest. So, there's a lot in there. Yeah. So, obviously, the the Earth King is the ultimate figurehead, the ultimate yeah. ruler. But each um, area would have its own lord if yeah. you're using and as you terms. as you learn in this series, the king's really only concerned with Barsing State, exactly. if that. If not even really, he's <laughs> concerned with his platypus bear, which yeah. is fair, but not particularly good for a king. Yeah. 
Um, and then we have the spirit world, which we've talked about a bit. So spirits have their own realm. It is in this series only accessible via Aang. We who is were, the bridge. Yep, who is the bridge. He's really the only one who visits the spirit world. And I think Ira is the only one who really talks about it otherwise. Yeah. So it's quite contained. I don't, I don't, I get the impression Ira is in touch with it. I don't know if like, if what, how much, I, I, I don't feel, think he's like visited, but I think he yeah. knows of its existence and can like I feel, feel like it. in Korra, it's said that he, he visits it, but yeah, not but, necessarily stated in this series how, yeah. how, what his connection is with it specifically, only that he knows of it, yeah. which would make sense. He's a very learned person, so you could write it off either way. Yeah. But in this, he's not specifically stated as having visited it yet, as far as I can remember. And then obviously the, the main thing about the, the setting is that there are five elements, which four elements, four elements that rule the structure of the world. So obviously earth, fire, uh, water and air. And then you could call the fifth element, which is a good movie as well. Um, <laughs> You know, Ag's avatar state, I suppose, which is the combination of all yeah. four together. There's also energy energy bending. Well, that's bending, not really that's, an element. It's not really an element. It's a it's a there's we'll get into it, but it's a hybrid order. Yeah. So those are the main four. They structure everything that happens in the world because either you're a bender or you're a non-bender. You're so either everything... a bender or a non-bender in your denominal nation. Like what yeah, nation exactly. are you in? What are you a bender? But or But they're still even them based on based on the because they're water tribe. Fire Nation, Air, Nomads, Earth Kingdom. It's about what, even then, what element you come from. Yeah. I was thinking, because we watched the last episode, recent, just before this, and I was thinking during it, I'm like, it's, like, it's crazy that like everyone in every nation is either a bender. Like, I know yeah. in Korra they have like a city where everyone lives, but it's like it's crazy to think that like there's not like the whole like, oh, I'm an earthbender living in the Fire Nation because my dad went to war and came I mean, back and like do... brought my mother. It's like... They do it's sort of there. have that in that the Fire Nation does, you know, invade the Earth Kingdom. So some of yeah. their prov- provinces do become Fire Nation ruled. But I it's would not. Just, I, think, I the, think if it was more realistic, there'd be like yeah. the Fire Nation army would potentially have other benders prior, in it, potentially. Prior to um, Avatar Aang's return, everyone sort of kept to them kept to their own selves. Yeah. I thought that that was the main thing. I'm like, man, they really just like keep to themselves in everything. Like this yeah. is the way it is. Like. Firebenders they don't mix. with fire, like they just don't mix, and then that changes. That does change, um, and so the in terms of bringing it back to sort of our primary world, what we understand of as the elements, we do have that idea. Um, it's something that we would know of because it exists, but it's not something that we probably would think about as much in a Western tradition. So the five elements, which are sort of the more basis that we take from that this series takes from our world were first developed in India and they're the five classical elements of Hinduism and Buddhism. So earth, water, air, fire, and then aether or ether, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, which is sort of the uh, intangible spirit, I suppose. Um, So that's that's the main uh, set that's taking into the show, Um, whereas the Chinese do have their own set, which are not part of the show at all, even though it does take from that sort of area, but taking from a different source in this one. So the five chi- classic Chinese elements are water, fire, wood, metal, and earth. Can you imagine if Avatar had wood bending in it? <laughs> well, percent, like, I don't understand what differentiates wood from earth. Because, like, it gro- like, yeah, like it's would... still... I mean, in most things, if you had 
earth that would be anything and everything that is natural and green and woody yeah. and dirty. With the, with and with an avatar, earth is really just stones and rocks, is mm. what you're led to believe. Yeah, minerals. Minerals. Yeah. So it's just it's just an interesting. Like they've they've set a hard definitive line that wood does not count. So that's something that's interesting, but completely irrelevant. So there are some rules to the world. So the main one is that order has been disturbed by war and needs to be restored. That is the main foundation of the narrative arc, and therefore the world sort of sits upon that. I mean, the rule, yeah, the avatar exists to keep the world in balance. Exactly. Like balance is a key part of yeah. this world. And and the idea is that balance also equals peace, so that's interesting. Um, so I imagine it's very busy being the Avatar because um, it's still popu- the world is still populated by humans, and that's not something we're good at. No, it is not. And we then, are terrible. Uh, so there's the idea of reincarnation through the Avatar, but also the return of the comments, so history repeating. That's one of the sort of because of reincarnation, the idea of history repeating itself can become a fundamental aspect of the rules of the world. So there's the concept of the spirit world, which we've already discussed, but specifically the idea of yin and yang, and then also um, qi, which comes from a Taoist tradition, which is um, another East Asian religion. It's um, I don't have a definition for it. I, sh- I forgot to get it, but I do. We're going to deal with it later on anyway, because some of our other texts deal with Taoist tradition as well. But it, it, there's a there's a fundamental part of Taoism, which is that everything in existence has its own spirit so that ties into the idea of the spirit world which is where everything that has a spirit lives so they're taking from that and then there's um the other fundamental rule is that the source of bending comes from animals except for the water benders because they learn from, from the, the moon, moon. but but they wreck on that later anyway yeah it's <laughs> yeah an interesting choice but generally the source of bending comes mm. from animals i actually don't mind the fact like they wreck on it later it's kind of like Bending is old. Yeah. And some people think this is where it comes from. This is potentially where it comes. Like, there's multiple yeah. people who, oh, we learned it from this or we learned it from that. Like, it's just something that exists. Yeah. And, of course, like, everything that exists has multiple people but thinking differently. generally, when you think about it, every part of bending has, you, like, you can see, like, for instance, the badger moles. It makes sense yeah. that you would learn bending And then that. there's the whole quest to find the dragons, the original Exactly. Like, it, and then they they have this whole thing about the sun in that as well. Like, the yeah. sun is the OG fire. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the moon is the OG water. But it makes yeah. sense. And, it, I mean, it's probably not one of the bigger tent poles that they're hanging the world on, but it is worth yeah. mentioning that um, more or less bending tends to come from well, at least the phenomena of the world itself. So it's animals and then also it's, what's the word? Me- meteorological patterns? Yeah. The, the the big things in the sky. Yeah. It's like bending exists. Like if we saw an animal like try and move a rock, we'd be like, oh, how do we do that? If we saw an animal try to move a rock with its mind, we'd yeah. be like, let's try and do that too. I mean... We see the ocean, the moon move the ocean, but we don't really, we can't do We're, we're not, we're not, let's stand on the shore and move our arms back and forth and see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's, parts of it work. I mean, I'm sure we learnt many things for animals. Yeah. We were like, oh. Hunting, gathering. That's how you open a banana. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So the next part of. I love the idea of someone like staring at a banana and they look, <laughs> they just look over, like, like cheating in an exam, but yeah. it's like, it's like, it's classroom. Someone's like looking at a banana and they see the monkey and they're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we did, Morgan. Historically, it's a fact. <laughs> so um, another part of setting is culture and specifically the inhabitants of the world. So we've already sort of covered most of that. So benders, 
standard benches. And I then, forgot. I, re- I read this the other day, but I forgot you that second dot point. I thought he should get his own mention. <laughs> he appears so much in the text. Benders, so standard benders who who bend the standard elements, and then hybrid benders who bend combinations, so metal, magma, blood, things like that. Obviously, non-benders, but we're not going to get into that. That's mainly Legend of Korra area where that sort of becomes a big thing. Cabbage guy. My cabbages. (laughs) I I really thought he deserved his own shout out because he is one of the he's he's a nothing character who returns time and time again. It's just the yeah reoccurring joke that's always it's always good. (laughs) Yes. So he gets cabbage guy. I don't know if you ever had a name. He doesn't have a name. Not even in like. Anything? Oh, I didn't look Fair. in the wiki, to be honest, <laughs> but I, everyone just calls him Cabbage Guy. So. Fair. I mean, yeah. that's what he is. Yeah. He gets his own category there just for being a legend. And then hybrid creatures. I think that's an interesting choice for the world. Like, the world has, like, yeah, but all I, the cre- like, yeah, Sky Bison, Badger Mole, Platypus Bear. That's where one of the, like, the idea of lion, lion invention comes turtle. into Lion Turtle. That's the one we just watched, yes. Yeah. I, that's where the sort of the idea of high invention comes on, like, because, like, it takes a lot for you to be like a bison, but it can fly. A badger mole, you know, a, a bear and a platypus together. Let's mash those up. Like yeah. that takes a lot, a lot of creativity to think of but those. I love it. it's like, oh, we've got these like mashups, but there is like normal animals do exist. Like the king's yeah. pet is just a bear. Yeah, <laughs> they have normal normal animals, and then there's just weird mashups. Which I you probably don't want to consider this, but how did they become that? Like, yeah. what's if if what so terrible if thing happens to mash a platypus yeah. and a bear? If together? the combination exists and the individual animals exists it in the same way, then it implies something. <laughs> but I don't know that they ever thought about that. No, they they just like like the they idea were just of combining like, this animals. Is cool. And like, opera is the best. Like, doesn't doesn't anyone who's seen Avatar kind of want a sky bison? Like, I don't know what Cora's dog thing. I can't even remember what combination. Pole, it is. I think it's like a polar dog. Like it's a bear, polar bear cross with a dog. Yeah, a, a bear. Do- I bear forget do- what it's called. Bear dog. Bear dog. Dog bear. Yeah, I don't want that one, but I do want Arpa. And to be honest, I take Momo too, even though he's just a lemur. Just a lemur. But uh, I'm into it. I named my um. I got you got me Pokemon Sword, and I chose the Grass Monkey, even though I really wanted to be a Fire type. I feel that in my soul that I'm a Fire type, <laughs> but um. And I took a quiz for this to see what bender I was. Yeah, I should have so made you fire do it too. Oh, I'm I'm fifty fifty fire and water. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cause that's how I roll. Same way I'm fifty fifty Slytherin Ravenclaw. We got to ah, get those. Sli- that's an interesting combination. Two. Got to get two opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, like a Slytherin Ravenclaw, not to no. go into a different, is kind of like a like a I'm very I'm kind of smart, but I will use it for bad <laughs> things. <laughs> so, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. Arpa, Momo. Yes. I named um, my grass monkey, which is called a Grookey, um, in its first non-evilized form. This is my first Pokemon game, guys. Okay, stop judging. <laughs> but I named him Momo because I was like, ah, oh, yes, a good name for a good companion. Yeah, that's good. And he is a good companion. He wins me many things. All right. So moving on from that complete digression into how good Pokemon Sword is. We have the last part of setting, which is society. So these are the sort of things that I suppose we can trace from our world that sort of present themselves in that world and help make it more interesting. So, for instance, tea culture is huge, mainly because of Iroh, hence why I am Iroh, because I also love tea. 
but tea culture is big because you can sort of get that with the idea of tea houses and again that's another big thing in um you know pan-asian culture as well so tea originated in in china so makes a lot of sense that they would include it in avatar and it is attributed in mythology to the mythical emperor um shenong or shenong i got firebender i just did a buzzfeed quiz i am a firebender Everyone, go do a BuzzFeed well, we quiz. Are, we are and, related. And uh, let us know what type of bender we you are. We are related. So I wanted to be both, a firebender. Yeah. They're the bad guys, but I want to be a firebender. I just love Zuko. I wanted well. to be a firebender because of Zuko, but it turns out I'm also a waterbender like Katara. And to be honest, I think I'm winning. I think that's that's a that's pretty, pretty good. good. If uh, that's, that's a couple that you could ship. Ugh. I know no, people We'll do. get into that later. <laughs> but back to tea. Back to tea. So, um, according to tea, drunk his- tea Drunk's History of Tea, archaeological evidence suggests that tea was first col- cultivated in China as early as 6,000 years ago and turned into a drink 15,000 years ago. It has a long history in Japan as well. In terms of, and I did, I did study this while I was watching the TV series to, to check, but Iris seems to mainly drink white and green teas um, as opposed to black. So he's probably drinking generally, like, obviously he likes jasmine, but general green teas and potentially oolongs as well. Oil tea, whether it is white, green, oolong or black, comes from the same um, Camilla Sinesis plant, um, which is an evergreen bush indigenous to both China and India, but the tea leaves are processed differently. So green and white teas have less oxidation and less processing. I wrote that down only because it makes sense that if Ira was bringing his own tea places, that... He'd want the ones that are easier to make. Yeah. If this podcast goes well, are you going to start a second podcast about tea? No. <laughs> no, I don't think you I have enough enjoy content. Talking about it. I, tea is so good. It's good to learn about tea, okay? People should know more about tea. Also, um, we have a really good... You guys aren't going to care about this, but Morgan, you you can access this. So I'm telling you specifically, okay, not me. our listeners. But um, Suck it, listeners. We have a really good jasmine tea at home that is absolutely delicious and you should come over and take a packet. Okay. Just to... So no, that way you uh, can... You know in, what? This is it. 2020 is the year I get into tea. Get into tea. <laughs> you can just... There's nothing quite like sipping jasmine tea that is really good and being like, this is delicious and also being like, and Ira would be so yeah, proud of me. If anything's going to get me into tea, it's like, man, I'm just, just like Ira. Yeah. Ira's so proud of me. Sit there, think wise thoughts and drink some jasmine tea and it'll all be okay. Another big part of Fire Nation society is at the Agni Kai. Agni Kai. Or ritual combat and dueling. So the idea of demanding satisfaction, taking off your glove and hitting the other person's face. I challenge you to a duel. Except Agni Kai is way more brutal. So Of course the Fire Nation has yep, a duel. Yeah. And it's 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 so so wild. Like you would have to I mean, the Fire Nation is full of hotheads. I imagine there's people demanding Agni Kai all the time. All the time, yeah. But the actual the actual, I suppose, consequences are huge. So for Agni Kai it's a fight for one's honor. Again, a big part of their society. And is one only one when one opponent burns the other. You have to think about how, like, Zuka is the perfect thing, how traumatic that burn, burn could possibly be. It's so crazy for, like, like firebenders, like, get fire bent at all the time. Like, there's a lot of firebending and, like, they hardly ever get burned. Yeah. Because they can bend it away. Yeah. That's just, like, it, you have to catch them very unsurprised. Like, it's hard. No one burns in this no. show. There's, like... Zuko got burnt at one point, and then there's that one time Aang burns Katara. Like, people don't get burnt that easily. No, well, you're assuming if you're bending fire, which really hurts if you fuck it up, yeah. that you'd be really good at not yeah. doing and that, like, which is why Aang accidentally burns Katara. Yeah. And that, whenever good. there's a firebender versus a firebender, they're like, firebender, fire at someone, and then it was bended away. It's like, yeah. the fire never touches they're them. Like, they're like, no, 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 no. 
We will just we'll just try our best to try and hit yeah, each other. Or because like all the others are like you can hit someone with it and knock them out. If firebending is like literally like if they do it successfully, people are like diving for cover. Yeah, like no one's ever. You ne- they never because it's a kids show. They never mm, yeah, actually no, do anything they can't, bad. They can't. They can't show the real consequences of yeah. fire. Well, I mean, Zuko is the main real consequence yeah. is that he has a really bad tra- traumatic burn. It'll be like, Zuko will catch someone by surprise and fire and they'll be like, oof, and like fall backwards or yeah, something. like into not- water, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, the actual, but the actual consequences of an Agni Kai could be horrific. Yes. If it wasn't a PG show. But historically, we have the idea of the ordeal by combat or ritual combat, again, derived. We get the Agni Kai coming sort of off that. So the victor is said to win not by his own strength, but because supernatural powers have intervened on the side of right. This has to, mainly comes from the idea of the duel in the European Middle Ages in which the judgment of God was thought to determine the winner. Um, so if still alive after the combat, the loser might be hanged or burned for, for a criminal offence. So again, coming back to Agni Kai. Or have a hand cut off and property confiscated in civil actions. So big consequences. Before Henry II insisted on a trial by one's peers in England, the justice system relied on a trial by combat to establish guilt or innocence. So prior to that, this was all you had. And a lot of people would then choose a champion, and there were things like professional champions. Yeah. And there is Which professional champions. is seen in Game of Thrones as an example. Yeah, even Game of Thrones is probably more polite than the actual professional champions that existed. They would do awful things. I have included a link at the bottom of the document, which you might want to post, which has more information on this if people are interested. But they would do, there were no rules, no holds barred for a professional champion. It was not a polite fight in any way. But the last judicial duel held in England occurred in 1492 at the end of the Middle Ages. However, tribal battle was not formally abolished in England until more than 300 years later in 1819. So for a while there, you could probably still demand it. Don't know if they'd say yes, but you could ask. <laughs> Do you want a lawyer? No, I want a no. I a want professional. To fight. I want a professional fighter. Thank you. I would like to. I would like to have my right by for trial by combat, please. Yes. So quite a long time where that was still something that was, I suppose, available to you in law, but probably not used. And then um, one of the other big things that make up the world is the idea of the Order of the White Lotus, which is a secret society that transcends the boundaries of the four nations. So they seek philosophy, beauty, and truth. They're devoted to sharing ancient knowledge across national and political divides, and the organization has at times assumed the task of finding, training, and protecting the next avatar. So that's something that's more in Korra. Um, yeah. It's the Order of the White Lotus who Before that, her. they're just bohemians, just hippies. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, sort of. Yes, there is a very good song from the new Moulin Rouge soundtrack that describes there exactly There was a bit you were reading things. there, and, and you were reading there, and I'm like, is this from Moulin Rouge? Yeah. Freedom, Freedom truth, beauty, truth, truth and love. That one. That's the Order of the White Lotus. Yeah, right that's them. <laughs> um, yes, they specifically operated in France out of a red... Um, windmill windmill yep (laughs) and they had lots of absinthe absolutely that's true it is formed by scholars from all over the world so makes sense that ira is in there and the order began as a club where ancient masters of various arts could challenge one another on the pie show table and they take their name from the white lotus tile so we have many secret societies in our world whether or not they actually exist is really up to the conspiracy theorists but the idea of a secret order that transcends political and national boundaries um, in the search of knowledge yeah. is something that I suppose is important to both their world and ours. It's also an important, like we talked about, like at the end, 
their journey becomes clear and that brings people together. Like that's their friends. This is another thing where we see characters yeah. from throughout the series come together. It's like, so all, oh, they were all, all the masters. Any basically any master of any art form that you meet in the series comes together in the last four episodes to be part of the battle to. Yeah. Um, reclaim Bossing Say. It's yeah, it's a cool moment where you're like, oh, it makes like they're all like connected and, and like they're all like, connected. They're these high level might like they they're kind of like even when they're on the Fire Nation, they they seem above. And yeah. it's like they oh, well, they hold get, this like, higher level of you like, get like Piando who teaches soccer. He knew he was Water Tribe from yeah. the beginning, and he teaches him the art of the sword, even though he's in Fire Nation. They're the only people that really seem like the borders don't matter to them. No, they're above it. They, and, they have this other thing. important that they're not just masters of their own, I suppose, skills, like their own specific skill sets. So not all of them are vendors. Most are, but not all. So there's the the main people you would recognize from is King Brumi, Piando, and Uncle Iroh. But then you also get, isn't... There's a fire guy with the hair that was a, he was a rebel, a fire nation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forget I his can't name remember there. his name yet, but he tried to teach Ang. Uh, yeah, that's when but Ang... There's but... quite a lot of firebenders actually in... The, in that <laughs> order of white lotus but um those are they probably the main guys you'd recognize yeah but yeah it's it's really good that they're not just masters like joji or, or something yeah something like that not just masters of their own skill sets but also sort of masters in their own territory yeah. so iroh is brother to the king he should have been fire lord he's not king Brumi was king of an earth kingdom recently he took it back from the Fire Nation prior to coming to Bar Say. Yeah. Piano's master of the sword, but also well-respected well in the Fire Nation. And the guy whose name we can't remember, which is probably really bad of us, but he's master of his own band. Yeah. Of and he was a respected Nations. general as respected well. Respected general. So they all have skills that are important when they come together that make... It also brings it, us on to sort of the next point, which is that they're all martial cultures. I mean, they are at war. It makes sense that over time, and it takes place over a hundred year break, yeah. that they would become more martial. But they're all, in everyone in the Order of the White Lotus, because of their mastery of the Paisho table, also makes them almost strategic geniuses yeah. and military geniuses, whether in their own lives or in part of the Order of the White Lotus. Yeah, that was another, like just the martial cultures, like coming back to like we watched the last episode. And like Zuko gives a speech at the end, and I was like, he they're tr- they're gonna have to turn around a so hundred years of upbringing of war, so much like just hatred. Like, they do it. We know they do it. We know it's they just do like, it. That's a, but it's that's hard. it's a lot to undo all those like prejudices and stuff. Like that training, that hatred. That's like you don't you don't really notice it. But I was thinking about it when we watched the episode. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. He's like, we're onto a new. Well, era. It's like, you also get like that bit where they where Ang and the gang, the Ang gang, the Ang gang. Are in Boomer, Boomerang. Boomerang <laughs> are in um, the See, Fire Nation and he goes to the school and they have to say allegiance to their fire lord, but they also don't know how to dance. They're not allowed to. Yeah. It's all about that militaristic, you know, we have to teach you loyalty and also how to fight upbringing that yeah. they have. And it's, um, it is amazing that Zuko is just like, we're going to usher in peace and love. And that's like a really good satisfying ending to the series. But then you think about all the work that yeah. he has to put in after that. It's also like, he says it and like you got all the nations there and I'm like, all the fire all the fire nation people are like, Yep, cool. Like they're just dropping everything they've ever known. They're like, Yeah, cool, man. They're probably all like, Fucking what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, what? <laughs> and and not many I mean, they do have some well respected figures, obviously, from the Fire Nation on his side, but most of the Fire Nation in some ways also isn't involved in the war. I mean, they sort of I mean they are, they know about it. But even Zuko has a moment where he says you know, we were taught this, that it was a way of sharing, but it wasn't. It was 
a great lie, but and they all hate us and they're yeah. right too. So it's that's that's the quintessential sort of building block of their culture since Sozin down to Ozai. And now Zuko has to turn it around. And Zuko is the person to do it because he, he turned himself around just majestically. Yeah, he was like the perfect like embodiment of their stuff. And then mm. he was like just went against it and came out not as a new person. Yeah. His own person. His own person. <laughs> With his honor restored, the only one who could restore his honor was himself. A lesson he learned very well. So we've sort of gone into the next point anyway, which is sort of the history of the war, uh, the history of the world. But so the war began a hundred years prior to the story. Again, that lends the idea of entrenched history. So we know a hundred years are past. So, you know, there was a hundred years ago and then there was a hundred years before that. That's, that brings in a lot. And also we talked about a bit about Sozin. So Sozin began the war. He, he pushed for the first expansion into the earth kingdom and ruined his friendship with the last avatar Roku at the same time. Yeah. Because they, they have some good flashbacks and they seem they were good friends. Good and like, friends. Sozin never seemed like a too shitty guy. But then like... it's, it's, so it's how much of his reasoning was rhetoric. Yeah. So all good leaders are usually good at rhetoric. So what Sozin says to Roku is that we want to share our prosperity, but it equals imperial expansion. He wants to combine the four nations into one, but it'd be under a sovereign fire nation. So he's sort of, he talks about it as though it's going to be good and it would be good, but only for the fire nation. Yeah. But he can't see beyond that, which is also the downfall of Ozai and also Azula. And then, so he, uh, he waited um, until the comet. So it's called Sozin's Comet, but the comet did exist prior to Sozin. Um, he uses that to continue the expansion. He wiped out the air temples to defeat the next avatar and spent the rest of his life searching for the avatar's reincarnation, which then led to Zuko sort of continuing that quest and then ultimately reversing it, which is pretty cool. And also there's the Zuko Roku shows and reveal, which is that he is descended from both sides, which yeah. comes back to his ability to restore balance because he is descended from both avatar Roku and Fire Lord Sozin. And then, you know, you get the idea of the many avatars in previous lives. So it's not... We've already sort of covered that, but I do think it's funny that the one time we do meet them all is when they're all like, yeah, you got to kill Ozai. Yeah. The only reason they, they go into Kyoshi because of Kyoshi Island and yeah. all that, but apart from that, and the trial. But apart from that, you don't really know anything about any of the others or anything. Yeah. So it's mainly Roku and Kyoshi that come into the series. Yeah. But Which you, are the two most recent, so it makes yeah. sense. And they, but they do introduce them, like when, when he goes, sort of does the meditation and they come to him, like force ghosts. Um, you might say, they do introduce themselves to say, hi, I'm the avatar, I'm from the water tribe or whatever. And then they say, you got to kill his eye. Yeah. Um, so we do Can sort of... Can you help me? Kill him. <laughs> yeah, kill him. Yeah. So we do sort of meet them all and you get the idea that if if the average lifespan of each avatar is like 60 to 100 years, that that's a long time. Um, and that's sort of, I would say that's probably fairly average. I don't know how long Aang lives, but Roku lives quite a long time. Sadness, remembering Legend of Korra. <laughs> that's why I don't really like Korra that much. Yeah, it's sad because all these characters you love are just gone. They're gone. And that's like, that, they're it gone. Start, that's oh, where they're it starts. They're really old and it just makes me really sad. It's like, oh, it sucks. And then you get the more recent history of the Fire Nation. So you get the Siege of Basing Se and the loss of Iris Sun, which directly leads to Ozai becoming Fire Lord because there's no heir apparent. He, Ozai, not Ozai, Iroh didn't have an heir and a spare, which is yeah. what you need. 
And it also then goes on to Zuko's mother leaving, but also Ira adopting Zuko. I don't see a world where Ira ends up as Fire Lord anyhow. Like, even if he had a son. I don't, Iroh yeah. would have been a very... Di- we I have bit written a bit more on this further down, but Iroh wouldn't have been the Fire Lord that, that Zuko is. Like, yeah. so, but like I said, been, He his, wouldn't have even been like... I don't reckon he could have got it. He would, it would have been stolen from him somehow. Like I'm not sure that's necessarily true, but like I said, his arc sort of shadows Zuko's, but Zuko managed to finish it. Yeah. So Iroh became better. He had his own sort of redemption arc, but we never see it because when... Like during the siege of Basing, so he is actively he's active in the war. Yeah, he is. He's part. He's a general. Part he's part of it, and he's part of the system in that way. So if he became Fire Lord, there's no there's no telling. But the most likely thing is that Ira wouldn't have started an arc of redemption at all. Yeah, he would have. It is the loss of his son that we assume the expansion. is what pushed him to exactly. redeem himself. So and and that means that once he starts his journey of redemption, he also is able to help Zuko along his. And eventually end up at that spot, spot where they can have a Fire Lord of Peace as opposed to a Fire Lord of War. So everything sort of, that recent history, all it all dots out until you get to the final climax and the resolution of Zuko becoming Fire Lord, which wouldn't have happened if Iroh hadn't lost his son yeah. and hadn't realised what the war was, I suppose, really doing. And he, he wouldn't have been able to achieve that end goal if he ascended the throne. He, and he says himself in the series, even if I did defeat Ozai, and I don't know if I could, it would have been the wrong way to end the war. History would see it as just more senseless violence, a brother killing a brother to grab power. Yeah. So it really, it couldn't be him. He couldn't be Fire Lord. There was just and I think he no, no way. Like, after he lost it, like, he didn't want it. No. He did not want it. Yeah. I was like, that episode is really heartbreaking. I really enjoy it, but it's just, it is, it is just wrenching to watch. Yeah. In terms of the things that build their culture, language tends to be an important part for world building. Not as much in this because it is a visual. In things like books where you might have an appendices with glossaries and things like that, it is a bit more important. But for this one, they have the symbols for the elements which are characteristic of that element. When you look at it, you're like, that does look like that. Yeah, you can tell straight away which one it is. And then they have obviously traditional Chinese script or an approximation to it. I'm not... I can't read Chinese scripts, so I can't say that it's exact, but I would say that it's a fair approximation of that. The mythology that makes up the world tends to regard the stories of the spirits. So you get the story of the ocean and the moon spirits specifically in book one, and then sort of general stories of spirits otherwise. Yeah. But that, the spirit world is their main mythology, the idea that there is this second realm that only the Avatar can cross into, which ha- which also holds sort of all the ancient knowledge of the world as well. Yeah, it's all, and it's also kind of like we talk about balance and we would relate that to the nations, but there's also like the balance of the real world and the spiritual world, yeah. which again, they go into more in like the later seasons of Korra. Yeah. But it's cause there's still like, that's like later because like we've balanced the real world. Now we have to yeah. balance the spirit. Like that's also yeah. got to be in balance and harmony and as well. In terms of like that interaction, that balance is usually an avatar reflected in Aang and his own internal struggles and finding balance mm. within himself. And there's also like the balance in that, like, there's one episode where a forest gets destroyed and the um the spirit who is normally peaceful turns yeah. and menaces and it's like, well, the avatar needs to be there to balance that. And yeah. Yeah. There's all this other stuff. There yeah. That. So, but like majority of that mythology comes from, comes from that idea of the spirit world. It comes from that basis within the world building that there is a, a separate one with spirits in it. So yeah. that's what they're, I suppose, 
that's not the, it, it's their spiritual mythology and that's well probably their main one so the idea of journeys to the spirit world and all the stories that surround that that's mainly it but then you also get I put the blue spirit in as well because I think it's an interesting part in that in some ways it's Zuko making his own mythology on his own terms because he has that so, such a rigid character for quite a lot of it and he has that set of expectations he the blue spirit presents a way for him to I suppose take on a myth a mythological aspect yeah. and then perform you know actions in the world that he couldn't do when he was Zuko and it also means that for instance all those guards that and all those people that he, the blue spirit then was seen by or affected by they then have that story of the blue spirit and they don't know it's Zuko so yeah. in some ways it's a, it's its own mythology as well yeah it's it, i think it comes to it allows him to do stuff he would not normally be able to do with Zuko and like yeah. i think it allows him to like just hide from himself a little bit as well i don't know it's yeah interesting. It, yeah and but it's just interesting because that could in some ways become its own mythology yeah. in some ways it does you get this idea of the blue spirit who's who's this force that yeah. that comes in and sometimes also, when the avatars well, involved the, the the mythology of the blue spirit it goes against what zuko is because every common people think of it as a, a hero a hero yeah and exactly. it's like that's not what he normally is no. so it's the kind of like the first thing that allows him to be a hero yeah. almost and show him like if hypothetically you don't actually see this, but if he hears that mythology, he's yeah. like, "Wow, look at that! That's cool. That's better than I ever got when I was a villain." Yeah, and it's sort of like his. It, I mean, it's mainly a vigilante, but it's he. It is a vigilante sort of role that he's performing, but in that the vigilante is usually acting against the Fire Nation. Yeah. So I just know it's just interesting. So I put it in there, but it's not as um, I suppose broad as the idea of the other mythologies but it is it is an interesting to note an interesting thing to note that in some ways Zuko is creating his own mythology through the blue spirit yeah where he is himself but not himself and finally we got there guys we done nearly done did it but the final thing is philosophy or theme so things that make so up the things. world yes we have quite a few but it's because it's such a good it's so good that it crosses many different important things in in, in our world and in theirs. So um, it, obvi- it obviously has the classic good versus evil and then war versus peace. That is the giant frame map. If you're, if you're pulling back very far, that's the thing that is encompasses everything. Yeah. But the good thing about this. this show, though, is like it doesn't just have like classic good versus evil. It delves in, it asks questions. It like does the have, whole, it does the explore grey areas. The whole end as well. resolution is like Aang doesn't want to have to do an evil deed, like kill the Vile Lord for good. Mm. And it's uh, so it asks these questions like, what can I do? What should I do? It's not just like classic good versus evil. There is a thing that it, it, does, it, it delves it does, into gray areas. It which... does tease out more of the, um, I suppose, the consequences of the interactions between good and evil yeah. and how, what makes good and evil as well. But it does, it does follow a fairly standard sort of yeah. discussion about that as well. And, and the same with war and peace, you know, war is bad, peace is good. That's fairly obvious to everyone, but at least... It's good that children also get to see that. Yeah. But um, that that's fairly standard, I suppose. Like, you don't really want to go to war. Friendship is another big thing we've talked about already. But it's, it's the idea that it's pivotal to survival, that they would not make it as far as they did without each other. And that there's so many moments when they lose hope and it's someone else, one of their friends, who gives it back to them, where there is a big gesture or a small one. So that's something that I always pick up pick up on when i it's one of the reasons i really i love rewatching avatar is just that they're all such good friends yeah. and it's just nice to watch them be it's, good friends i 
I always, and this is because it used to play on ABC all the time. I love book two and three. I book one's good, but I feel like you, you're you're lacking. Once Toff gets involved, then it, that's complete, and it's it's actually so much better from then on. A lot of, and then book three adds Zuko and stuff. But I feel like book one, because I know Toff's coming, mm, it's lacking. Now. A lot of book one, when you rewatch it, when you've already seen it, is waiting is waiting for Toff to get there. Yeah, because. Yeah, you're waiting, but you're also waiting for the whole group. Like you're also waiting. You're once you get to book two and Toff's in, you're waiting for book three to get to Zuko. Yeah, or the start like, of every time I'm like book three. Yes, Zuko, he's gonna join. The start of book th- it takes forever. It takes a long. There's time. like there's there's whole episodes where I'm like just do it already. Just, just go, join. just join. <laughs> Come on, Zuko, we know you're going to. Yeah, there's that whole dilemma. Yeah. So, uh, but in general, like it's you wouldn't have gotten. They wouldn't even have got to Toph without Sokka and Katara. Yeah. So it's it's it builds to that whole group of people, like even like Suki and, and the Kyoshi Warriors, and you get everyone at the end, and that's that also makes it very satisfying once you get to the end and you're like, oh, they're all together, yay! They're they're not just friends, they're family. They're family, found family, always a good thing. <laughs> it also has very strong themes of redemption and self betterment, which we've sort of teased out. Probably more than more Not than enough. Teased. Yeah, <laughs> Just straight we've, up we've, we about straight it. up discussed real hard. So we probably can leave leave that at just a theme. One of the other big ones that I suppose we haven't talked about really at all, um, but it is it it's almost like a hidden theme. Like it's so obviously there, but you probably wouldn't think about it as much. But imprisonment, res, imprisonment, resistance, and freedom, because so often characters are imprisoned in some way, either l- like literally. Or figuratively, the idea of um, then resisting whatever imprisonment they face or resisting a higher power, the Fire Nation, which um, holds them down and takes away their freedom and then gaining that freedom. It's just something that repeats often, but it's not because it tends to be built into the narrative arc. Like, you know, someone like they free the prisoners on the boat and they free, you know, Sokka's father and things like that. Now that might be boiling rock actually, but you know, <laughs> they, they free a lot of people, but the idea that they continue, characters continually face imprisonment, but they always resist that imprisonment either directly or indirectly, and then eventually gain their freedom. And then a big one that's probably big today, main, maybe not as we probably didn't notice it as much as kids, but is a big talking point today, especially considering how smoky it is outside. Mm-hmm. Nature conservation, respect to land and uh, respect to land and people and animal companions. So you know, there's a lot of like in the episode we just watched, Ang rises the rivers to put out the fires to restore, so that way the land can then restore itself. Any you talked about it, the the spirit of the forest, whose forest was burnt down. The idea that we have to protect the world and yeah. and that the avatar is there to protect not just the people but the land itself. Yeah, I um, think that and the animals. Again, like another big thing about having the spirits, the spirits involved in this world yeah. allows them to do that very well because it's like you're hurting the land, you're hurting the spirits. Yeah. And it allows, to that and it allows them to, yeah, to personify something that, that can be directly interacted with in terms of, in terms of Aang actually being able to potentially talk to spirits or see them or interact with them. Yeah. It then lends more like the idea, like the idea that that spirit of that forest is a panda. Yeah. And we're like, oh, panda. But it's actually like, but it's it, you've you've heard it and you've demonized it because you've destroyed its land and its yeah. home. Um, and then you see like more immediate like repercussions. You don't always see repercussions, yeah. but like if there's a spirit fucking attacking you, that's yeah. an immediate repercussion. Yeah, like. it's like nice job, guys. Like <laughs> you burnt down the forest. Yeah. What did you expect? And 
the other yeah the other huge thing is the animal companions so Arpa and Momo and Korra's bear dog whatever the idea that um animals are important in the world but also to the people and they function just not just sometimes they have more than one function Appa can fly but he's also Ang's sounding board like yeah. Ang talks to him and Appa can't talk back in any way that's understandable to anyone but it's an interaction that allows Ang to then sort out again yeah. his inner toy mile talk through things you know and it gives him a response that's in some way uh, only animals can it's purely unconditional yeah. in the response has no motives other than the fact that Ang and Appa uh, grew up together he they chose each other when they were young and they have an unspeakable bond. <laughs> I just really like the animal companions. Yeah, no, they're good. It does also, I've put in parentheses, participate in the age-old fanfic theme of enemies to friends and friends, friends to, to lovers. Yeah. But it is different people. It is not the <laughs> same two people going through this journey. Yeah. It is Zuko and Aang becoming friends from enemies and Aang and Katara going from friends to lovers. It is There is no yeah. progression along the same line, but it does participate in, in those themes. Um, I do have a theme or themes in that yes. I think is... I don't know if it's because I'm smack... Like I'm up to season one still and I'm working my way through again. But I think... Especially like after the 100 year duty and responsibility. Yeah. Aang has this weight on his shoulders. Like, especially in the first, he feels terrible because he's abandoned the world for 100 years. And then he gets the, like, he feels like he has to learn all of these elements by a time frame. And I think that constantly gets drums up. It stresses him out. And then again, it brings in, it kind of ties in with friends, like helping him work through it. But I think duty and responsibility and Aang's duty and responsibility and to the world is a big theme it's as well. Not just, it's not just Aang's though. I mean, Aang has a duty and responsibility to the world, which is greater, I suppose, than most other people's. I mean, you could argue Z- Zuko does get a duty and responsibility to the world and becoming a fire lord that is on par, if slightly below Aang's. Yeah. But even um, on the micro level, Sokka has a duty and responsibility to his his sister and, yeah. and he has to protect her, but also to his father's wishes that he stay behind and take care of his village. And he has to choose whether he goes with his duty to protect his sister or stay behind and protect the village. And in the end, he chooses Katara, obviously. But that then become, leads to him becoming chief of the water tribe because of the, the responsibility that he learns through the journey yeah. allows him to then to ascend to a title that his father holds and entrusts him with to protect his village as a whole anyway on a micro level soccer also <laughs> yeah, has that there theme. is definitely those two those two are very important throughout as well and uh that bring i think that brings us to yeah, an end of our, well, our fabulous discussion about a show i could always talk about yeah we could keep go- i mean i could keep going forever on avatar but that was all my points to talk about yeah. specifically and i think you know if we keep going um people people will probably get tired yeah it is also quite warm in this room. it is quite warm <laughs> i am stuck to this seat yeah but, but um, yeah, uh, good discussion. Yeah, <laughs> glad you let me. This is this is gonna be it though. It's just gonna be me ranting at I'm you about so much. how much I l- about tea and like ritual combat and I things do like, like that. I, I feel like I'm able to contribute sometimes, which is nice. You, know, you, you do. It is you are necessary <laughs> to bring the freshness. It's like it's it's like if everyone, a lecturer had fresh. a and like had a had a hype man to to help them make lectures less boring. Ooh, that's you. That's what uni needs. You hype should come men. on. You should come on pitch and ten and pitch that. Well, hype men for, for universities. Yeah, sure. Why not? Just someone to cut, sit, like a Jake Peralta to sit on the side <laughs> and go, "Yeah, all right, man. Yeah." Like I was watching season six of Brooklyn Nine Nine today. It's out now.
which is it's out on Netflix. It and you know what else is on on Netflix? If you haven't seen it, or if this conversation, like if you haven't seen it, hundred percent. But if this yeah. conversation has made you miss it, go watch go Avatar. Avatar. Last it's Band. on Netflix. It's on Netflix, Australia specifically. I assume uh, yeah. in America I as mean, well. I mean, if we talk about Netflix, it's going to be Australian yeah. based. But Sorry, guys. If you if you have seen it and you feel like you're watching it again, watch it again. Still if you great. Haven't seen if you it, haven't seen what it, what are you doing? Um, just stop right now. Yeah, go. Uh, put go. put yeah. your life on hold. Turn this off and go. And, and go watch it. It's in fact, you should have turned this off to start with and gone then. Yeah, I don't know how you got through yeah, this. Yeah, you got all this and then we were just is. like, oh, yeah, I think, the, like, I'm glad if this sold it for you, but you should have gone at the start. Yeah. But, um, and then you've got some links for History of Tea and Tribal Combat, which I will share when yeah, the episode just, goes out, which yeah, I don't know Yeah, just yet. post it just somewhere on the bottom. I don't know, you and all yeah. the tech- technical stuff, but it's just in case people are interested yeah. in reading a bit more about that. And this was the first episode of your podcast, Second World Problems. It uh, was. We will be doing this again with... Different worlds. Different other worlds. Other things are like. We're going to just cover to, I a can variety see the next one. of worlds. It's, uh, I'm not going to say what it is, but like the next one in this document, I don't know if we'll do it next, is a fun movie. Uh, I mean, we might as well because it's already in the document. Yeah. Well, the next one's fun. It's going to be a fun movie. Yeah. Um, and again, I expect all of everyone to have seen it. Um, and if you haven't, again, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're covering two movies next time. And the... So, like two three. versions. Oh, two versions. Two versions. So the same nar- yeah. not necessarily an original and a remake, but um, same the, world. The bad, the good one, and the bad one is what I would Teasing say. Teasing it out. It's not. It's and guys, it's not conventional. You're probably not going to guess this. You're no. probably thinking, oh, they're going to do like Star Wars or Harry Potter. This is much more better. This is this is much more small. <laughs> this is much more w- what we like. Uh, I mean, I like we, Harry Potter. I mean, I like Harry Potter and Star Wars, but um. In terms, like this was obviously going to be quite a long episode, so hopefully a shorter one yeah. next time. And, and I feel like everything about that is it has r- specific rules and it fits and into your structure. Well, I mean, yeah, and also like I could, I'd, ha- I'd happily talk about Harry Potter and Star Wars. I just we need to discuss something to focus in on it first, yeah, because they're quite they're too expansive to cover. This is small, and we might do them later. They are in the list somewhere, but at first I think we'll do. So this one is something that I I expect everyone should know. The next one. Again, I expect they should know it, they but they be, probably they won't guess it. it. And then I'm hoping for the third one to do something that people don't know, so that way I can get Niche. people to watch it because it's so good. Fair. So that's my current plan. And then, yeah, going forward, we'll cover a, we, I have a list, like I said, many yeah. on the list. And I'm keen. So thanks for listening. And uh, keep an eye out or an ear out for the next episode. Yes. And uh, go get some Avatar and, in here. Yeah. And, you know, rate, review and subscribe. Is that a thing? Yeah. 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 Please rate, do review, that. Subscribe. Go like Spiky Trap on uh, Facebook and www.com.spikytrap.com. Yeah. All right. Great shout out. This has been a Spiky Trap radio production.